everybody, Dave Therrien here, and you know what? I'm glad I'm here, and uh, I'm glad you're here too, because today I have one of my most favorite topics that we're going to be speaking about right here on New Hope Radio and the Hope Club Podcast. I love this topic because it really talks about the hope that we live with, the certainty of our eternity. And uh, it's for anybody that wants Christ. If you want the Lord Jesus in your life, what I'm talking about today, it's for you. Our topic today, the marriage of the Lamb. Some might be saying, what's that? Well, I'm going to tell you about it today. See, the Bible is not silent on the relationship between Christ and His church. It's not. We are actually called, Paul said, God's fellow workers. He said, you are God's field, God's building, 1 Corinthians 3.9. We are the body of Christ in Ephesians 4.12. Jesus said, I'm the vine and you are the branches, John 15.5. All titles given to us that speak of our relationship with Him. But there's probably, I would say, the most personal and the most intimate title that Jesus gave to the church. And you know what that is? He calls us His bride, the bride of Christ. Because that union between bride and groom is the most intimate personal relationship there is, and Jesus ascribes it to those that follow him. We will actually assume this title at what is called the marriage of the Lamb. So you could say that Jesus is getting married. (laughs) He is. Jesus is getting married. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 11.2, speaking for God, He said, I'm jealous for you with a godly jealousy, for I betrothed you to one husband, so that to Christ I must present you as a pure virgin. And what Paul is saying is that through the preaching of the gospel and those that received it, they became engaged to Christ. That was a picture of our engagement, and that's where we're living right now. Another way to characterize the Christian life is a time of engagement to Jesus Christ. And then after the engagement, the marriage will come. So, in Revelation 19, verse 6, we have the announcement of the marriage. And by the way, this is somewhat in the future. Then I heard something like the voice of a great multitude, and like the sound of many waters, and like the sound of mighty peals of thunder, saying, Hallelujah, for the Lord our God, the Almighty, reigns. Now, (laughs) this sounds like it's going to be a big announcement is coming. And here it is. Verse 7. Let us rejoice and be glad, and give the glory to Him, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and His bride has made herself ready. 
Now, question. How has the bride made herself ready? Oh. That if you're a believer in Jesus Christ today, how have you made yourself ready for the marriage of the Lamb? You know how? By your works of faithfulness on the earth, resulting in gold, silver, and precious stones. Remember, while the Great Tribulation is going on on planet Earth, the judgment seat of Christ is going on in heaven. Okay? Um, Paul said in 1 Corinthians 3.11, For no man can lay a foundation other than the one which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. So what he's saying, that there's only one foundation you can build your life on, and that's Christ. And he said, if any man builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each man's work will become evident. For the day will show it because it is to be revealed with fire. And the fire itself will test the quality of each man's work. So he's saying, while we're living our lives on the earth in our betrothal period to Christ, through our works of faithfulness, we're earning gold, silver, precious gems, wood, hay, or straw. Gold, silver, precious gems have to do with proper motivation. Wood, hay, straw has to do with improper motivation. Even though it's a good work, it's done for the wrong reason or the wrong way. And he says it all goes in the fire. If any man's work which he has built on remains, he will receive a reward. If any man's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet so as through fire. So this is not a loss of salvation, but it's a loss of rewards. So during our engagement period on the earth after salvation, you have an opportunity to make yourself beautiful. Now let me ask you, do you think all Christians are earning gold, silver, precious gems? I would say no. No, you know why? Some are lazy. Some don't care. Some are passive. Some are indifferent. Some are still worldly. And they'll get wood, hay, and straw. They'll be burned up and turned to ashes. But those that are serious about their faith, gold, silver, precious gems. I call that the dressing room of the wedding. And now we're ready to be married to Christ. We're going to examine three aspects of the marriage of the Lamb. Number one, the time of the marriage. Number two, the place of the marriage. And number three, the participants in the marriage. Okay? All important. Three important factors regarding the marriage of the Lamb. And I want you to be there. That's why I'm saying these things. If you're a believer or not a believer, become a believer. And this will be true for you. Number one, the time of the marriage. Well, the marriage takes place between the rapture of the church and the second coming of Christ. Okay? A little timeline. We're living on the earth right now. The rapture comes. While we're in heaven at the Bema Seat Judgment, the tribulation is going on down here on the earth. After we're married to Christ, we have the second coming. We return to the earth. So, the church age is the age of anticipation of the marriage. It's like an engagement, right? 
that wonderful, beautiful young lady that's engaged. Oh, it's an age of anticipation, waiting for the big day. When the diamond ring is now accompanied by the golden ring, the day of the wedding. So we've got the diamond ring. It's the Holy Spirit. We've got the proposal, the down payment on heaven, the Holy Spirit. So we're living in an age of anticipation. At the rapture, this will be realized and fulfilled. Okay? So now, every bride has a wedding garment. What's the wedding garment of the church? Verse 8. It was given to her to clothe herself in fine linen, bright and clean. Oh, what is this linen? Where did it come from? The fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. Okay? So, it's the gold, silver, precious gems that you earn because of a life of faithfulness to Christ. You receive this wedding garment at the judgment seat or the bema seat of Christ. Bema is a Greek word for judgment, but it's not a judgment of condemnation. It's a judgment of rewards. Okay? The bema seat is where the judge sits to disperse rewards, taken from the ancient Olympic Games. After each game, you had three places, first, second, third, gold, silver, bronze, okay? And those recipients would stand at the Bema seat, the seat of judgment, and they would be rewarded for their performance. The guy that came in first got the gold. Guy that came in second got the silver. Guy that came in third got the bronze. It wasn't a seat of judgment. It was a seat of rewards. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5.10, We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Now he's talking about Christians. Non-Christians will be at the great white throne judgment. But we're talking about the Bema seat. And why will we appear there? So that each one may be recompensed for his deeds done in the body to what he has done, whether good or bad. Again, it is not condemnation. Gold, silver, precious gems for that which was good. Wood, hay, straw for that which was not good, not acceptable by God. So that's the time frame when the marriage will take place. As soon as the rapture comes. We go up for seven years and we all stand before the judgment seat of Christ and get our rewards while the tribulation is going on down here on the earth. And we talk about that, right? With all the trumpet judgments and the seal judgments and the woes. Bad time on the earth, but a good time in heaven. Secondly, where does the marriage take place? In heaven. As a matter of fact, Paul tells us in his letter to the Corinthians what we should be looking forward to. He said in Philippians 3 verse 20, Our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. The word citizenship is the word polituma. It's where we get the word politics. And it has to do with our belonging. We don't belong to planet Earth. We belong to the roll call of heaven. We're strangers and aliens going through this world. 
Have you noticed how Christianity is mocked by most people? How Christians are singled out by many people? Why? Because we do not belong here. Our citizenship, we are not even welcome here. The world doesn't even like us. They don't want us here. And when the rapture comes, they're going to say, good riddance. The aliens took them. Good riddance. Glad they're gone. And that's okay, because we know where we're going. Our citizenship is not to this planet. Our rights and our privileges are not to this planet. They are in heaven. So when you're treated poorly, expect it, because you don't belong here. Okay? Our community, our belonging, is in heaven. So Paul said, listen, our citizenship is in heaven, from which also we eagerly wait for a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform the body of our humble state, that means our humanity, into conformity with the body of what? His glory, that means his resurrection body, by the exertion of the power that he has even to subject all things to himself. Now, there's a lot of words there, and what does it mean? It means that when we go up, Christ is going to transform us, and we're going to be like him. We're going to be just like him. Because we've got to be like him if we're going to live with him, right? And he has the same power that he has us to transform us to be like him. He's going to subject everything to himself. This is coming. It's like right now, it looks like the world is running haywire. But one day, he's going to bring it all into subjection to himself. So that's our resurrection body. So therefore, we must be in heaven in order for us to return to the earth. Because see, we're coming back. And the Bible tells us in Revelation 19.14 that we're coming back. The armies which are in heaven, that's us. How do I know that's us? Because he said, they're clothed in fine linen, light and clean. And what is our fine linen? It's our wedding garment, right? So John's talking about the bride in heaven, the church, seven years, getting our rewards. We're married to Christ. The Father presents us to Christ. The Son, here's your bride. He says, thank you, Father. She's beautiful. We're married to Christ. We come back to planet Earth the armies which are in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, were following him, I like this part, on white horses. People say, are there animals in heaven? Well, there's horses in heaven. Are we coming back on them? Coming back on white horses. This is the second coming of Christ. So at the second coming, we come back with him. See, some people have their eschatology all messed up. Because they think the second coming is like Jesus coming by himself. No, we come back with him. And why are we coming back with him? Why? Well, what follows the wedding ceremony? The reception. We're coming back for the wedding reception. That's why we're coming back. Okay? And then what follows the reception? The honeymoon. Oh, yeah. All these things we're going to enjoy. Okay, so we've got when the the wedding takes place, after the rapture and before the second coming. What else? 
Where will it take place? In heaven. I'm trying to remember all this stuff, not the memory I used to be. And thirdly, there's participants. And this is very important. Because there are some people, I think, they think they're getting in. And then there are some, they think maybe they're not. So we want to clarify it. Who are the participants in the marriage? Christ and the church. What is the church? People that accepted Christ from the day of Pentecost all the way up to the rapture. It's not the Old Testament believers. You know why? The resurrection of Old Testament and tribulational believers will not take place until the second coming of Christ. They're actually going to be the guests at the wedding. Right? I mean, if you're going to have a wedding, you got to have guests, right? You want people to celebrate with. You know, if you've been married and you probably did your vows and, and you had the reception and you invited people that were important to you, whether it was a few or a lot, depending upon what you could afford, right? But you wanted people there to share in your joy. So the Old Testament saints are going to be resurrected. And the tribulational believers are going to be resurrected because that's part of the Old Testament dispensation. And they're going to be the guests at the wedding. Now, Daniel, he mentioned this. In Daniel chapter 12, verse 1, here's what he said. At that time, Michael, the great prince who stands guard over the sons of your people, will arise. There will be a time of distress such as never occurred since there was a nation, until that time. And at that time, your people, everyone who was found written in the book, will be rescued. Many of those who sleep in the dust of the ground will awake, these to everlasting life, but the others to disgrace and everlasting contempt. So what we have is a two-part resurrection. The first part, is the resurrection of the Old Testament believers. They go into the millennial kingdom and they celebrate the marriage of the Lamb. After a thousand years, we have the next resurrection, the second part. And these are all the, those that rejected Christ. And they're resurrected to disgrace and everlasting contempt. They're sentenced to the eternal lake of fire. Wow. It's a sad commentary. So the Old Testament believers will be the guests at the wedding supper and the millennial kingdom. Now question, what are we studying? We're studying, hey, this is the marriage of the lamb, not the bride. See, today in our culture, a wedding is all about the bride. Oh, isn't she beautiful? Oh, look at her dress. Oh, be-be-ba-ba. She plans everything. It's all about her. But in this culture, it's about the groom. And this particular wedding, it's about Christ. It's about the humanity of Christ and the consummation of, here it comes, his joy. His joy. We are his joy. You know that? That if you're a true follower of Christ today, 
No, not somebody that says, yes, I know him, I believe in him. No, there's a difference between a professor and someone that really lives the life. And you better get it straight, I'll tell you right now. But those that truly follow Christ, you are actually his joy. In Matthew 25, Jesus told a parable of the ten virgins or the ten bridesmaids. Ten bridesmaids in the wedding. And uh, five got extra oil for their lamps and five did not. And the groom came at midnight. And for those that didn't have extra oil, their lamps burned out because they had them burning, waiting. But their, their lamps ran out of oil. So at midnight, a cry occurred. And the cry was, Behold, the bridegroom comes. Go out to meet him. And it was a cry of rejoicing. And the, 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 the bridegroom, the, the bridesmaids that had extra oil, they trimmed their lamp, they went to the wedding. The ones that had no oil, they were left out. They were told, go downtown, go to Ace Hardware and buy some more oil, and then come back. And they went down to Ace Hardware, but by the time they got back, the doors were locked and they couldn't get in. They were locked out. Let me ask you today, do you have that oil? What is that oil? It's the indwelling Holy Spirit. The indwelling Holy Spirit comes at a moment of legitimate faith in Jesus Christ. It doesn't come because you go to church. It doesn't come because you're a nice person. It comes because you have embraced Christ as your Savior. You know, sadly, see, love doesn't keep people out of hell. It doesn't. Righteousness does. And people say, how can a loving God send people to hell? Because love is not a basis for heaven or hell. Righteousness. It's not, does God love them? That's not the question. The question is, do you have the righteousness of Christ? Because God can love you, and he does, but that doesn't equip you to live in heaven, in another abode, you've got to have perfect righteousness to live in a perfect place. And that perfect Christ righteousness comes from embracing Christ as Savior. Are there people in hell that God loves? Oh, yes, there are. He loves them. But they're void of righteousness. You can't walk on the moon without a spacesuit. Why? You've got to be equipped for that environment. You can't live in heaven without righteousness. You've got to be equipped for that environment. So do you have the oil of the indwelling Holy Spirit through faith in Christ? If you do, Revelation 19.7 is for you. Let us rejoice and be glad and give the glory to him for the marriage of the Lamb has come. So what do we have about this special day, this holiday in heaven? Let me give you a quick summary, okay? It's very important. First of all, we have the invitation to the wedding. God is inviting everybody today to be married to his son, John 3.16. That's the gospel. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, 
that whoever, anybody and everybody that believes in him will never perish, but have everlasting life. So that's the invitation. The acceptance is in believing. Do you believe this? Do you see it as true? Then you have the engagement. The engagement is a life of faithfulness. Salvation means I'm engaged to Christ, waiting to be married to him. So like any bride-to-be, you'd want her to be faithful, just like any groom-to-be, you'd want him to be faithful. Then, the day of the wedding, you, you go into the dressing room, and the bride goes in the dressing room and puts on a beautiful dress. She takes a long time. She's always late. <laughs> I don't know why. Our dressing room is the judgment seat of Christ, where we receive our rewards. And then we're presented to the Son by the Father. Son, this is your bride. Oh, Father, she's beautiful. Thank you. And we're married to Christ. And then we have the marriage supper, the second coming. We all come back with Christ, the planet Earth. Jesus rids the world of all the tribulational non-believers. And he establishes his kingdom. And those that get saved in the tribulation and they're still alive, they go into the tribulation, I mean into the kingdom, in their natural state. And we live with them in a glorified state. And then we have a thousand-year honeymoon, the millennial reign of Christ. Oh, what a time that's going to be. Are you kidding me? It's all waiting for us. The invitation's gone out. All we need to do is believe. We're going to continue with this thought next time. I'll tell you what. Get some folks to listen. Because this is eternity future. And it's a good future for those that know Jesus Christ. If you don't know him, get to know him. Believe in him today. Become part of his bride. Don't forget about the Hope Club, too. NewHopeRadio.live. Click the menu bar. It's all there. Let's work together to get the good news of Christ far and wide. Okay? Thanks for coming along today. <laughs>